Welcome to TJH, your go-to podcast for all things journeying home to yourself. I'm your host, Hayley Curtis, Gene Keys and Women's Transformation Guide, here to encourage and usher you into remembering who you are by peeling back the veil on all things shadow work, self-love, self-worth, relationships, gene keys, breakthrough, awakening, and so much more. One thing I know to be true about you is that you are utterly magnificent. And here at the Journey Home Podcast, I will be walking hand in hand with you as you discover and remember your magic. Let the voyage begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Journey Home Podcast. We are here for the second episode in our self-love series. And for today's episode, I have co-host of TJH with me. We have Megan. Hello, Megan, and welcome back to the show. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm so excited to have Megan with me here today. I'm going to be asking Megan the same four questions that I asked Lizzie. And the reason why I'm doing this is because you're going to see how vastly different the answers can be between different people because self-love encompasses everything. It encompasses us all. And the point of this series this month is to really paint a vivid and broad picture of what self-love can look like and to invite you into deeper levels of self-love for you. And so my four questions are the same for Megan, but Megan's questions that she has come up with to ask me are different than what Lizzie asked me. So we're going to have just, I already know it's going to be such a brilliant conversation. I can feel the energy like Megan and I were just chatting before I hit record. I'm like, ooh, (laughs) I'm just so excited. So you know what, Megan, we're just going to dive straight in. I'm going to ask you the first question. What does self-love mean to you, my friend? Ah, well, you and Lizzie already went so deeply into this last week. And I have to agree with everything both of you said. Absolutely. So let's, though, take it from a Megan viewpoint. (laughs) So, um, you know, Socrates said, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. Well, Knowing yourself is not just a mind exercise. It's, it's knowing your past and how that's affected you. It's being aware of each moment in your present. It's knowing yourself on a body level, on an intuitive level, on an emotional level, and on an instinctual level. Mm-hmm. And then accepting what you find out. Uh, it's letting my shadows reveal their worst and then opening my heart even more to allow in more and more and more love. Wow. You know, there's such an interesting, as I was thinking about this and um, preparing for this podcast, I was thinking about that balance between divesting myself of the destructive habits to reveal the light that's underneath or the love Mm. that's underneath, but then also opening up By letting down my defenses, which are pretty much ego, right? Mm. Um, So then allowing in universal love. So it's kind of this interesting 
part of you, you're taking stuff off. And then part of you is also just opening up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Yeah. I am melting on the inside. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I like so. that. That is such a Megan answer. I mean, it is. Oh, I, I know. Damn. <laughs> Well, you know, I had to come out with something unique. You and Lizzie covered so much gorgeous stuff. <laughs> oh, like I think Lizzie and I sort of took 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 it and put it in like, I don't know, layman's terms, I suppose, and you've taken it and put in it into just the mystical and mm-hmm. mm, yeah. just the, the depths. I can really taste it. Like as you were talking about, I can taste it. There's a, an aroma to what you're saying. There's a, mm, there's a divinity to what you're saying. And I can just taste truth. I can mm. taste truth. And um, mm. I love this idea of to peel back and to let go, but to surrender and be open simultaneously and how mm. that is an ultimate act of love ultimate act of love um wow i'm i'm sort of lost for words now i'm gonna have to listen back to the podcast (laughs) episode take me some notes (laughs) was there anything else i feel like did i cut you off in your answer there did you have anything else no that's well you know just the accepting what i find out of course is the huge challenge because Mm. I'm human. So looking at the difficult parts of my life, my God, I've lived with an eating disorder for so many decades. And that's Mm. a, it's been a difficult thing to live with. And then looking at it enough to then let it transform has been, as you know, an enormous challenge. So I can say that in one little statement and then accepting what I find out and, you know, <laughs> wow, but really <laughs> accepting what I find out is big. <laughs> turbulent as fuck. It's turbulent as fuck. Yes. <laughs> oh, but to, to look at that and be like, but that's self-love, right? And I think oh, yes. this is, this is that conversation that Lizzie and I had last week where we're like, self-love isn't the fluff. Self-love isn't just the things that you're happy about yourself. Self-love is to face the deepest, darkest corners of your being and to love yourself there, to face yourself there. And so as you're talking about like coming into acceptance and love for something that has been the cause of so much turbulence and turmoil in your life, that is a huge, huge thing to do. And something to be done gently over time, you know, self-love doesn't come barging in like a bullet a gate and rip shit out and expect it all to be better. That's not self-love. You know, it comes in, it comes in forcefully yet gently at the same time. It's a, it's a paradox. (laughs) It is a paradox because you sometimes really need that firmness. And these are lessons I am learning right now from Raven. Raven is is my guardian in my dream arc journey at the moment, as you know, yours is turtle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Raven is very much turtle, turtle. (laughs) Um, Raven, 
Raven is very much uh, someone who is going to help, who someone who is helping me to really make some harsh, harsh is not the word, mm-hmm. some strong choices around some of these shadows. But I am ready to be able to do that because I have learned gentleness and self-love. Yeah. If Raven had come in earlier in my journey, I couldn't have handled it because I didn't have the level of self-love yet Mm -hmm. to be able to really stand firm in the choices that I'm now making. Yeah. Yeah. Raven definitely has a very matter of fact flavor of love. Mm, You know, each of the guardians have a different flavor of love. And I mean, all Mm -hmm. All 192 animals in the dream arc and all 64 gene keys have a different flavor of love. And yeah, Ravens is very like, <laughs> it's like, caw, caw, caw. like <laughs> and it will pick yeah. it. It'll pick at the dead things and it'll be like, this is dead. I'm going to keep picking away at it until yeah. like we just pick that shit off. It's yeah. It, it, whereas like yeah. my turtle, the flavor of love of my turtle, I mean, watch it in the water. It, cruises and it's like come with me and I will show you prosperity and I'm like okay you know it's a very different (laughs) very different flavor of love yeah yeah amazing uh my turn for a question right yeah let's do it okay so here is a possibly really random question (laughs) do you think the qualities of either hope or trust have a role in cultivating self-love? Yes. Yes. So hope and trust carried me through the void of no self-love. Those were two things that I needed to take the journey from hating myself to loving myself. Because you don't just suddenly boom, I've got self-love in the moment mm. that I begin I the would journey. Have to agree. Mm-hmm. You know, like in those early yeah. days of me writing my way home to myself in my journal, there was so much writing about hope because hope was something that I had lost. And I think that's part of being disconnected from your own self-love is you become disconnected from hope. Um, and so I knew, I guess, without knowing, just my heart led me to know I needed that. I needed to get that back so I could take the journey because hope really casts the vision of where you're going. Like if I didn't have hope that it could get better, why would I ever bother walking? Why would I ever bother showing up to my pages to write my way home if I didn't think there was any hope of ever getting there? And Mm. so I knew that to be true right from the start. And so my original thing was, okay, let me just find hope. And finding hope is really like finding trust. Hope and trust, they go together like sort of, but they still uh, come separate at the same time. But I think that mm-hmm. through through like really recognizing, okay, I need to find that hope, Haley. I need to find that hope. I was really building trust at the same time. And as I continued stepping in hope, I was building trust. And you need trust for the journey into deeper self-love because 
if you're in a place of not loving yourself or just an aspect of yourself, right? It could just be an aspect. If you're not loving it and you want to take the journey to loving it and you've never been there before, well, then that's going to be a journey of the unknown. And to take a journey of the unknown, to take a journey of uncertainty, trust exists there. Because to walk a path of uncertainty is to walk a path of trust. And so I believe, yeah, without, without bringing attention and awareness to cultivating hope and trust, we just end up going, well, why bother? This is when we come up against those hard parts, when we're facing those dark aspects of ourselves. And if the hope and trust isn't being cultivated, why the fuck would we ever dive in? Like, I'm not going there. If I'm not, if I don't trust and hope that I'm going to get anything out of it, I'm not going to go down that road. I'll just stay where I am. And so they're vital. They are vital ingredients. And I think that, yeah, in the beginning of my journey, I was, that was what I was really cultivating with that really recognizing that I was, but because I was surrendered to just like, well, I know I need to take this path and whatever I need to do, I'm going to do. I think that level of surrender was paving the way for me in creating that hope and trust, but it's definitely something Mm -hmm. that I actively work with my clients on now. Like I didn't active, well, I was actively working on it because I'm literally writing about hope and trust, but I still, I didn't know that that's what I needed to do. I was just sort of surrendered like I got nothing to lose you know help me lord (laughs) whereas definitely with my clients it's it's um trust especially is always a core part of the question because this is such a path of uncertainty it's such a path of the unknown um so yeah it's vital Mm. oh wonderful yeah and I would have to say the same thing about myself one of a core quality I've had all my life is hope yeah, and, and belief in something better, mm. which is hope, right? Belief in something mm. better. So that's just <laughs> taken me through a lot of turbulence. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's something that we all have that's really deep down. It's, it's that little flicker that even when things are so dark and even when things are just like a fucking shit show, if we really sit with ourselves for that moment, we will find a flicker of hope that's like, you're worth walking for, you're worth walking for. And quite often it takes hitting a rock bottom moment to remember that that flicker even exists. And I definitely had my fair share of rock bottom moments <laughs> of remembering that hope and remembering um, that, yeah, I'm worth walking for. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a beautiful segue into my next question for you, Megan. Like these times that we have faced in our lives, like you're this woman who has cultivated such a deep level of self-love, but I know that that hasn't always been the case in your life. So when were the times in your life where you didn't have self-love and, um, yeah, what's been your experience with sitting in that sort of dark place? Um, well, self-love has, has really been a a growth curve. Um, Mm. you know, I was born into a time when uh 
it was a duality of your good or your bad. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, my, the innocence of childhood start learning about uh, it was in my family, we were, um, had strong Scandinavian roots and uh, the Scandinavians of that time, it was, um, you didn't talk about loving somebody because that would cheapen the love. Okay. So it was supposedly a given that you were loved, but that wasn't actually the felt case. You know, I didn't feel that love. I just knew when I did something bad, you know, Mm -hmm. if I did something bad, all of a sudden I'm like cut off. It's bad. It's wrong. So when that is part of your growing up, it, it, it really erodes away your self-esteem because you, you, because first of all, you're bad for these things. But then even when you do something good, you're not sure if you did do something good because there hasn't been anything saying you just did something good, you know? Mm. Um, So, uh, and the additional thing that I brought was brought up with is that the only emotions in the house that were allowable were the positive emotions, except for dad who got to rage. So, Mm. you know, so rage was off the table because in a sense, we didn't ever want to be like dad who would just blow up at the dinner table. Mm. But then, so, you know, I I started just really forcing down my emotions. So there I am right now denying a huge part of myself because I have big emotions. So, For, you know, for decades, um, I lived in a world that I made where I sought validation from the outside. I was, and then I was ruled by this critical voice within, which, of course, was my mother and my teachers and all these <sighs> critical voice within was horrible. Yeah. Then I was thinking about how when did that shift? for me when did that start to shift and it happened around 9-11 actually Mm. and at when 9-11 happened all of a sudden I just started getting out of my own self-absorption and Mm. started thinking about you know other people and all the you know everything that went along with 9-11 and I started this little bit of gratitude for my situation which was you know I had food on the table. I, I, you know, I had a house around me. I had a family that depended on me, you know, I had, and I started really being grateful for that. Um, Mm. And then my, um, my husband about five years later um, died of cancer. And that's when I really started consciously bringing in a gratitude practice and Mm -hmm. that starts collecting more to be grateful for right Mm -hmm. and um yeah so fast forward to when um I married I met my uh now husband and when I met him even though I had you know I'd sort of asked for a new relationship a new uh, someone who would really love me when it came to into my life, I had a really difficult time accepting his love. Mm. I didn't know how. I mean, he, you know, I, 
I had to do a lot of letting go of old ideas of what love was because here's this magnificent man and he loves me. Oh my God. I just, I just remember many, many times I wept in his arms because I was letting go of all the, all the crap that was all over me, making me feel less than who I really was. And here's this this just this magnificent man who who loved me and and uh so that really started my own journey into um self-love you know and and uh so that that was what 11 12 years ago and uh over the last six or seven it sped up I have really sped up my own internal understanding of how important self-love is and then and then doing the things that really bring uh love into my life for myself you know so um yeah oh you got me all teary over here i know (laughs) right i think um, oh my god so and this is so let me give you an example i know my husband doesn't listen to this not that he would would mind anyway but uh one of one of the things that Tim loves his showers. He loves to bathe this man and he loves to bathe me. And I am, you already know everybody, I have an eating disorder and I have this just, I have had a horrible body self-image. And here is this man who wants to bathe me and he's calling me a goddess and I'm weeping in the shower because I can't handle this you know Mm -hmm. and yet over time just this morning we took a shower together and over time I am just recognizing that this man just loves me whatever I look like because he just loves me and if he can love me why can't I love me you know so yeah just And to hear the evolution of your story there, Megan, you were speaking of a childhood home where love wasn't shared about, where love wasn't really talked about. And so when we're not in the presence of the love being spoken of, we're just in that kind of frequency. And then your experience with Tim was just being in the presence of love just so happened to be your husband but this can come mm-hmm. in the form of anyone in your life where when mm-hmm. you're in the presence of love that is like water wearing down a rock right mm, it's yes. opening us up it opens us up and um, I very much had the same sort of experience with with Bevan where he just loved to be so uncondition- unconditionally for who I was and definitely a major factor in opening me up more and um, again came in the ver- it came in the form of my husband but I love that this is a truth of life and so what we get to do as our our roles as guides is to be that love in other people's lives mm. to just show up in the frequency of love, which actually makes when you come into the aura of someone who's showing up in that frequency of love, you can't help but turn inward and be like, maybe, maybe I can love me more because they're showing me love. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something in me that I'm not seeing. And that's, you know, and in gene key number two, this is what Richard Rudd says. He goes, people don't need help. 
people don't need advice. People just need to remember what it feels like to be in the presence of love. Oh God, that's beautiful. That's it. Oh, yes. And that's, that's like to show up, to be with someone without an agenda, to simply just show up and be love. There is yeah. nothing more impactful that a person can do than that. And I just, oh, the fact that Tim has been that for you is just so glorious. Mm. And I've had the pleasure of getting to meet Tim. <laughs> done a gene key session with Tim. Oh, my God. What a man. <laughs> like, oh, so glorious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh. And I do actually now have another question that has to do with the gene keys this time. Oh, yes, baby. Um, sort of, and sort of not. It could. It's <laughs> also a general question. Okay. So you you spoke last week with Lizzie about, and in podcasts on their own too, about forgetfulness as being part of humanity. H humans are going to forget, right? So that then we want to build in ways to remember to love ourselves. All right. You've talked about that. Would you now please speak about denial? Because denial is a different form of forgetfulness. Mm. It seems like um, we, we tend to <laughs> not love ourselves through denial, mm. you know? Um, anyway, does that spark anything uh, in mm. you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we deny... We deny the fact that we have feelings sometimes. We deny the fact that we actually need love. We deny that. We're like, oh, I can just, I don't need that. I can just get on with it. I can just keep going. And we just get, we can get into these mindsets and these repetitive patterns in life where we deny the fact that we are a human and not a robot. Like we can really. And, you know, I was also thinking that denial as, as I don't know if it's quite an emotion, but denial, well, it is a core wound for mm -hmm. one thing, but denial itself can be un quite unconscious, mm. right? Mm -hmm subconscious mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. you you think about alcoholism and the a mm -hmm. main uh symptom of it is actually denial so people don't even recognize that they are yeah alcoholics you know? yeah and i think denial comes about when the fear gets too much that we block out the fear with denial so it becomes too much to even think about looking at that part of myself. So I'll just pretend like it doesn't even exist. And I think like that's where then we can start blocking out our emotions, start blocking out the fact that these things that we're doing are so toxic and they're not good for us at all. But if I just pretend like it, that that doesn't exist, then I don't have to deal with it. But of course that wears a person down like crazy over time and we yeah. can only deny our own humanness for so long because our body will be the one that catches up with us 
right? You can suppress and deny your emotions and your toxic behaviors and addictive patterns all you like, but there will come a time where your physical body will be screaming at you to face that deeper stuff, right? This is what happens. And I mean, your radiance gene key is the perfect example, right? That gene key mm-hmm. 40, there's a lot of denial in that gene key 40 and the shadow is exhaustion. It leads to exhausting your resources, exhausting your resources, yeah. exhausting your physical body to the point of just like, I cannot keep going. And this is what happens. Right. And quite often that's the point people have to come to before they're willing to look at the fear. This can tend to be a human pattern where we, we all want to change, but we're, when the fear is too great, like the fear is bigger than the, the want to change, we're like, oh, I'll just stay here and I'll keep denying. In order to really make a change in our life, it needs to hit a point where it's too painful not to change. Where we're in so much pain that now change feels like it's our only option and we finally make those changes. And that's where denial will lead us to. It'll lead us to the point of such pain that we're like, holy shit, I can't keep denying this anymore. I can't keep pretending like this is okay anymore. You know, someone that maybe lives a very busy, stressful life and they're just like, go, 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 go. And they're like, oh, I just, you know, I can just be on the go all of the time. Like, I don't need a rest. I don't need a rest. And they're just denying the fact that they are human, not a robot. They're human who needs rest. And they'll get to a point where they burn out or they'll get to the point where they'll have a heart attack or their blood pressure goes through the roof or they just have a breakdown and they can't keep going and then they have to face it and go, okay, all right, maybe I do have to slow down, right? This is the stuff that happens. Yeah. I had one hip that had osteoarthritis, had to be replaced. Mm -hmm. Yay. Didn't deal with any of the karmic reasons that I uh, had that hip. And then the other one started going out. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started looking even more deeply inside. That was the seed that uh, really began this this journey of self-love and self-understanding. Absolutely. Because to look at these places where we're denying ourselves, just to look at the places where we're denying ourselves love, We're denying ourselves Mm -hmm. love in that place. And so they become the birthplaces of deeper levels of self-love. They become the places where, man, we can grow a forest of love there if we look at it, you know. And I'll I'll get a bit vulnerable here. (laughs) I had been in denial about the fact that I had slid back into some self-medicating with alcohol over the last 18 months. And I had been in a, in a place years ago where I was self-medicating when I was still teaching and I was coming home and having a couple of glasses of wine a night. And I was lying to myself saying like, it's okay. You know, it's just, it's just a couple of glasses with dinner. It's okay. Until Bevan confronted me about it, bless his soul. And I could see, oh, yes, this is a problem, and and I helped myself out of that. But I unconsciously found myself back there. And last year, 2023, I was almost drinking every day, not 
heaps, like one drink, mm-hmm. you know, one or two drinks every day, just to take the edge off of the pain and the exhaustion. That was mm-hmm. why I was doing mm-hmm. it. I was self-medicating, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, like it was getting me through where I didn't have to be completely honest with just how tired I was. I didn't have to be completely honest with just how much pain I was in because I could just take the edge off just enough to pretend like everything was better than it was. And I think coming up to the end of 2023 and my journey with the dream arc and all of this stuff coming into 2024, where it's like the energy of GK24 addiction. And I was just like, as I was dropping into deeper levels of self-love and really being like, okay, what does it truly mean to love myself? I was so confronted with the fact that what I was doing with alcohol was not love. That was non-love. Mm. And that when I asked myself, how could I love myself more? What would more self-love look like right now? It looked like letting go of alcohol. And I wasn't ready to face that until that moment. I was in that denial because that didn't feel safe. It didn't feel safe to let go of it because that meant that yeah. I actually had to feel the the depths of my pain and my suffering. And But then I realized but self-love is leading me to feel the depths of my pain and my suffering. That's actually what love looks like to truly be with me. Because unless I'm truly sitting with the depths of my pain, I'm not loving myself in the depths of my pain. And so for me, self-love in this instance looks like stepping out of denial in that way, letting go of that. I'm on day 32. (laughs) No alcohol. Oh, yay. Which doesn't sound that massive, but I mean, that's the longest I've gone in years without having a drink. And it has these last 32 days, those gaps where I would usually have drank and just like suppressed myself. I would usually have gone into denial and just kept capping myself every time I put alcohol in. Now I'm growing more love out of Mm. those places. And yeah, it's a completely different experience because it's not like a, okay, I have to stop drinking because this is bad and I need to do what is good. This has been a pure, such a pure decision that was birthed from self-love. And so it feels different to what it's ever felt before because I'm not making myself do anything. There's no harshness in it. There's no like all in or not at all kind of energy. It's just purely love is leading the way here. And I'm trusting love to lead the way. And love is saying, Haley, no more alcohol. Love is Mm. saying, Haley, you're doing so well. It's saying, Haley, look at what I have to gift for you in these gaps that now you get to sit in because you haven't filled it with something toxic. And, um, yeah, so that that experience of moving from denial into love, it's like you have you have to go through the wound. It's one yeah. of the core wounds. It's one of the six core wounds. There's no escaping it. You have to go through it to then understand the potency of love that can grow out of it, right, and to be able to, yeah, to go on that journey of self-forgiveness and that journey of transcendence and evolution and transformation and 
um, mm, it's a birthplace of beautiful things. Denial. It really, really is. Right? Oh. It really is. Yeah. Thank you for asking that question. Oh. <laughs> Thank so you next... for being so vulnerable. We're, we're just know, being vulnerable it's... for everybody today. <laughs> I find that one. I find that one difficult to speak about. You know. Um, it's something that a part of me would like to hide away and not share mm-hmm. with the world because I'm ashamed, because I'm embarrassed and I'm getting emotional now behind my eyes. So I know that it's like a pointy spot for me. It's like a, it's a little bit of me that, um, I would hide because I would con myself into thinking, well, Haley, if you need a drink on a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock to get through your day, you can't guide anyone through anything. Like I would hold Mm. a lot of shame around um, that. I can't tell anyone that this has been a struggle because then I can't lead anyone. But as I drop deeper into self-love, I recognize it's the very reason why I'm qualified to lead people because I've struggled with these things. I have struggled with addictions my whole life. You know, I quit sucking my thumb at 31 years old. (laughs) I am definitely susceptible to addictions. And um, same with my, my parents. You know, my dad died of food addiction, heart attack at 55 because he was a chronic binge eater and smoker and drinker. And um, I'm up against that. You know, and uh, so oh, I'm just like having to breathe through sharing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm safe I'm to with you. share that. You, I'm safe to, and know I know that. you've been through this too, Megan. Yes, yes. addictions. Yeah, very mm. much so. Mm. And um, mm. even just getting to talk to you of hearing your story and your journey with alcohol from earlier years. I remember when you first told me like, oh, you know, I used to drink and you were the same bit of self-medicating, needed to drink for all these different reasons. And you're like, I just decided I wasn't going to drink for that year and I've never drank since. And oh, I remember when I first heard you say that, I feel intimidated by that. I'm like, oh, oh my God, like that's a scary idea of thinking of never drinking again. But as I've softened and softened and softened around it, instead of feeling intimidated by your story, I feel inspired by your story. Oh, and um, yeah, we'll see where this one takes me. I am definitely mm-hmm. not in a mindset of I'm never drinking again. Yeah. Yep. I'm just in a mindset of well, a heart space of I'm just going to follow what self-love looks like for me in the now. Yep. And right now. Exactly. That's what it is. And I'll be there. (laughs) So my next question for you, Megan, um, well, we're just talking there about one way that we cultivate more self-love is going into those places where we're denying it. Um, But what are some of the things that you do in your life, like maybe daily practices or um, things that you schedule into your days or your life to cultivate more self-love? Um, many of them are the ones that you and Lizzie shared last Mm -hmm. week, uh, pauses. I do the triple flame app. You know, I meditate every day. 
twice a day. I journal, I art journal, I walk in the woodland. I really dig deep into myself so I know myself. Um, and I, I had to bring out this quote because it just, this, this is like the next thing I want to do. So right now I'm working with um, my, my actual dream arch took me to the, uh, Robin had a journey of um, following uh, a mm, exalted being uh, for 40 days. So finding someone that you would like to model your life after and, uh, you know, what would that person do in this situation or what would that person think in this situation? So I actually chose Merlin. And uh, part of my 40-day journey is, is working through this beautiful book by Deepak Chopra called The Way of the Wizard. So it is all about Merlin and the lessons he teaches Arthur. And one of the lessons he has is, um, this is from Merlin, and this is him talking about being a wizard. Every chance that presents itself to the wizard, he loves that moment back. So every, so if I am going to be a wizard today, and let's say we get a flat tire going into coffee, I'm going to love that moment back. So how do I love that moment back? Is that moment teaching me something? Is that moment, uh, who knows? I don't know, you know, but it's, it's an opportunity to love that moment back and to learn more about myself in that moment. Mm. And then the wizard is wise about what he can handle. So that means I need to be wise about what, what, can, what can I handle? If I, let's say uh, I am measuring this, um, let's say I have a schedule of how many, uh, what I'm going to do in order to do this, these 20 lessons. I'm going to read one lesson one day, and then I'm going to write about that lesson, take notes the next day day if that ends up being more than I can handle I need to change it I mm. need to be flexible and and mm. resilient and I need to really listen to who I am inside and what can I handle mm. so those are both two ways I can really love what happens in my outer life and inner life and then make sure I'm doing things I can handle and taking care mm. of myself during those mm. times you know um yeah and that's back to the denial thing again right like this denial around what we can and can't handle and actually just accepting like who we are in that moment and allowing our outer life to reflect our inner life and then we come back into harmony we come back into rhythm we're able to That's keep right. loving ourselves as we move. That's beautiful. I want to add another part to the question I just asked you. Sure. <laughs> and you've already alluded to the dream arc twice in this conversation. And I'd love to know how the dream arc has supported you in cultivating more self-love. Whoa. <laughs> it's a huge mm. question. It's like everything. But that is a maybe really if something question. 
comes to well, mind. Well, let me just see what comes up. Um, as I as I'm trying to think of what comes up, I have in front of me <laughs> all of the Dreamark animals that are in my own personal chart. They're up on my bulletin board, and the and the. Uh, so here I have in front of me this <laughs> spider that is is saying uh, the fear of being overwhelmed. Okay. I, the Dreamark has just brought in this incredible natural world that I have such a connection with and brought in the archetypical archetypal energies of that natural world for me to learn from. Yeah. So here I have, okay, so there's the spider. I had a big spider dream uh, the other night. I've been having a lot of spider dreams and I do not feel fear in them, but I sort of wanted to know what, what was going on in my dream life about the spider. So it is the fear of being overwhelmed. And I was thinking about, well, am I feeling overwhelmed? And, or is it just an invitation to open up so that I don't get overwhelmed? You know, so it's, it's really, um, this beautiful self-love conversation. So I have these inner animals here in front of me, the swan and the bear and the hedgehog and the dog and the hornet and the fly and the sparrow. And then I have the outer nature out there that is talking to me. So um I don't know if that's answering the question at all. Uh, it's it's just opened up a whole um, other way to love myself. Yeah, it, really, and a gentler way in sometimes. It right? Is, it is. A, uh, it absolutely is. I know that they the, just like uh, from my learnings. Yes, they just <laughs> they just come in and they sort of give you their message, but their their messages are. Um, really very yin, very mm. uh, right-brained, very mm. feminine, very mm. gentle. Uh, there's no linear way that they are teaching you. They're all just speaking softly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And I, I, something I love about the dream arc is if an animal comes into your life, like for example, camel, everyone can't see me, but <laughs> Megan sent me a camel figurine in the mail and I'm just like trotting it across the screen as she's talking <laughs> because I'm so annoying and I like to distract people. But anyway, the camel, <laughs> when the camel came into my life, um, it comes with its message and it's, its invitation into deeper self-love. But when you work with the dream arc animals, an animal just doesn't come in and be like, here's how you can love yourself and then it pisses off. It goes, here's an invitation of how you can love yourself in a way maybe that you haven't thought of before and I'm going to come and make my home in your heart and wait with you while you discover that. And oh, yes. So you're not only invited into deeper self-love, but then you're held and supported and you don't feel alone while you do it. And yes. so you're literally oh my like, God, yes. you know, you've been held in the arms of a big mama bear. You've been yes. cradled with a polar bear. You've been um, on a journey with a jaguar. Like, 
I've got a bloody eel wrapped up around my leg, just holding me and showing me the way at the moment. I have my turtle who I can sit on its back and it will take me. And I go into the oasis of my heart with the camel and it lays next to me while I drink from my own self-love. And so to me, the dream arc is so special because I'm really not alone. I never was, but the dream arc really helps you ground into that truth. Yeah. I think you're going to need to put the dream arc link in this one because yes. Yeah, it it is the journey of self-love. And it takes, you know, you read the gene keys and it it can it it, it can get so wordy that yeah. it keeps you in your mind. Yeah. You start working with the dream arc and animals and all of a sudden it brings you into a felt place, a, a place, you know, mm. where you can cuddle your cat while the yeah. cat is teaching you the lesson about relaxed resolve. You can, you know, pet the dog when the dog is teaching you about cheerful equanimity and tenderness, you know, mm. there, there's just such a physical relationship you have with animals and even bugs. I mean, the fly, the fly is one of my guides and it's the fear of missing out. So every time I think of a fly buzzing around, I remember that that's, you know, that's my superficiality, you know, and it just brings it into this, this laughing. Oh, I'm just missing out, you know? Totally. (laughs) Totally. Like me on Jinky 20 on my reels where I was just like fluttering around like a little fly. Yes. Like you you just have the support. You know, I would never have been able to release alcohol if it wasn't for the eel and the camel and the turtle who are just holding me in that. Even this morning, I was channel riding from the eel and the eel said to me, it said, Haley, you need to give yourself more credit for how magnificent letting go of alcohol has been. And you need to give yourself more credit that this is you following your North Star and this is such an important part of your journey and I'm so proud of you and you're doing it. You're with me. We're swimming up the estuary. Like, let's keep going. (laughs) And that's me supporting me. That's actually my self-love. But the eel is helping me to to channel a piece of my own DNA that I wasn't even aware lived in me. The eel lives in me and always has lived in me. It's archetypal energy of of transcending fantasy. But because I'm working with the dream arc and I can actually allow it to speak through me, so it's just a different expression of my own self-love, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Juicy, juicy. Juicy, juicy. <laughs> so, uh, moving from the dream arc back to the gene keys, there are six core wounds of humanity, according to Richard Rudd. And we have actually talked already t- today about two of them uh, de- denial mm-hmm. and then shame. Mm-hmm. Those are two of the core wounds. What are the other five and how, how are they entry points into bringing self-love into our lives? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love how you framed that question. So for the listeners, the six core wounds are repression, denial, shame, rejection, guilt, and separation. 
And depending on the lines in your chart and especially the line that you are in your core wound sphere will show you like where the real potent place of this core wound is. So um, for me in my core wound, I'm a line four. So rejection hits a little deeper in me than the rest of the core wounds. Um, Megan, you're a line five in your core wound. So guilt hits a little bit deeper than the rest. And so the line that we are in our core wound can be like our entry point, but at different points throughout your chart, you have you likely have a collection of these lines. And no matter who you are, we all face all six of these. And yeah, our core wounds, they're entry points into love. And I think the three, the three that we see the most of, I think, are shame, guilt, and rejection. I think, and for, for women as well. I think guilt and shame and rejection, man, they're running rife. They're running rife. They're probably, I probably say that they're more because they're more seen and more talked about, you know, repression, denial, and separation. They're just as present, but they're less spoken of, right? Mm -hmm. If we're in repression, it's literally to not speak of. If we're in denial, (laughs) it's to literally not speak of. If we're feeling separated. We're not with the person to speak about it, right? So um, denial, shame, and rejection, you see it more because it's got more interaction with another person built into it, right? So, yeah, we're all dealing with all of them. And no matter what you're entering into in your life, it will have the flavor of one of those six things in it, right? It will have the flavor of Hmm. it. And when we notice these these wounds coming up and when we can bring acceptance to the experience of these wounds, we open the gateway to more self-love because these are the things that we're running around in the external world trying to avoid at all costs. These are the things that we're just like, nope. Not that, not that, not that, not going there, not going there. These are the source of like so many of our fears. And um, a lot of them started so early on in our life. The the core wound of rejection, that began the moment your umbilical cord was cut. That is our Mm. first experience of perceived rejection because our core wounds are all of our perception. We perceive that our mother rejected us when we were cut from her through our umbilical cord. And so man, these are some heavy things. But the the moment that we, yeah, we come into realization that, okay, I'm going to experience these things and I can actually love myself right there. And it's when I love myself right in the experience of these wounding patterns that I start to grow the forest of self-love, that I start to evolve into my highest potential, right? So often when like guilt and shame, this is one that everybody knows the feeling of, we think I need to get rid of the guilt and shame so I can love myself. The guilt and the shame is stopping me from loving myself, so I must get rid of it so that I can be in self-love. But the core wounds teach us, no, you need to, what does it look like to love yourself right amongst the guilt and the shame? Yes, 
that's what transcends and heals the core wound is to realize that you are just as worthy of love right there in the guilt, in the shame, in the rejection. And that's what allows it to start to melt away. That's what allows us to transcend it. And so I think that these core wounds, it's, it's part, like it's, it's one of the most uh, potent pieces of the Gene Keys transmission. So in the Gene Keys, Gene Key 55 and Gene Key 22 are like the chunkiest Gene Keys and the core wounds are found in Gene Key 22. And I think they're so vital for us to all, for us to all understand so that we realize, oh my God, I'm not alone in feeling these things. Because that's the other thing. When one of these core wounds comes up, I mean, especially something like separation, we can believe and buy into there's something wrong with me because I'm feeling this. You know, if we're feeling shameful, we hide away thinking, oh, I can't show anyone else that because it's not okay to feel that way. The Gene Keys teach us like everyone is experiencing these things. We are in this together. And as we recognize that it's okay to be experiencing these things, that's what then allows you to even consider loving yourself there to then be able to transcend and evolve through our core wounds. And then we become something that I just love about the core wound gene key in your chart. Richard calls it being the wounded healer. We become Mm. the wounded healer. Taking this journey of self-love isn't about isn't about patching up every single one of your wounds so that you become absolute purity and there's not a scratch on you so that then you're like, okay, I am fully healed. There is not a, a single bit that's open on me. No wounds at all. Okay, now I'm healed and I'm going to live the rest of my days in perfection. No. <laughs> It's actually, yes, we do heal up a lot of our wounds, you know, some of, some of the more surface level scratchy ones, but when you get to your core wound jinky, it's about embracing the wound and being like, even with this wound, I am a healer. Even with this wound, I am love. And so then you go off out into the world, which is what comes next. After your core wound, it then turns into your vocation. So your very wound that has cut you the deepest becomes the medicine that you're here to bring the world. And then it moves across into your culture, which is where you then bring it. You like use your initiative to actually do something with your wound to make the world a more beautiful place. That's the wounded healer. We get to this point where we're like, okay, we have to work through our stuff. We go through our activation sequence to find out who we are. We go through our Venus sequence to start really working through our stuff so that we can start treating ourselves and other people with more grace and kindness and love. And we open our hearts and we move it out and we get to our core wound and we go, okay, now there comes a certain point in time where I've just got to start living my damn life now. Wounds right. and all. Wounds, Wounds and all. And all. If you, once you open your heart fully, it's now okay to have wounds. It's only not okay to be wounded. We don't feel okay to be wounded when our heart is closed. Because with an open heart, the constant flow of love through that heart is 
is just like making the wound magical because <laughs> love pours out through the wound now instead of blood and guts and gore. It's like it's open. You've got this wound that is open, but only so more of your love can flow out through it. You're the wounded healer. Mm. And so, mm. you know, that's the point you get to in your journey. That's it's far in though. You know, yeah, this isn't, is. the big, that's not where you start. You don't just like jump into your jinkies and go straight into your core wound. You will die. No, I'm joking. You, you won't die. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> but it'll be well, hard. <laughs> yeah. We need to be wise about what we can handle. <laughs> yes. Being wise about what you can handle. It's very important to go into your activation sequence first, ground into your magic, ground into your core stability, ignite your soul purpose, be like, damn, this is who I am. Then it's important to peel back like your IQ and your SQ and your EQ and start to figure out, okay, these are the bits that are going to sort of try and throw me off course with dealing with my emotions and closing my heart down. Okay, as you start to work through those, then you're able to open up that level of love that is exactly what is needed to approach that core wound and turn it into something beautiful through your pearl. So, you know, this journey of self-love is the journey towards our core wounds. It's the journey towards being able to love ourselves in the guilt and the shame and the rejection, the separation, the denial and the repression. A lot comes before that though. A lot comes before that peeling back the layers until you get to that core and then you get to it and you go, this was the thing that had been hurting me the most all along. And then when you finally get to it, you go, it's not even an issue anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like it says in, in the core wound, um, in the gene keys, in the course, it was, it's like at some point you have to stop thinking that you've got to deal with more of your issues and just start living your purpose yes. like you have to at a certain point get out there into the world and just start sharing your love and that's what happens once you really start embracing that core wound and you become the wounded healer and you enter back out into the world this is sort of like the emergence from the cocoon that one has to go into to really know love and understand themselves and then you're like all oh, right I understand that I am wounded but that is my magic and I'm just going to pour it out on the world. And that is my highest purpose. Yeah. E. <laughs> Thank you for that question. So deep, so juicy. <laughs> not, so, for <laughs> not for beginners. No, no. <laughs> but at the same time, it totally is. I don't know. It's paradoxical. It is paradox because, it's, you know, let's say someone hasn't even taken this journey. There's no reason they can't be in the middle of feeling a great deal of shame and just say, this is normal and I am safe to feel shame. Yeah. You don't have to know your core wound to be able to say, I am safe to feel rejected. I am safe. Yeah. I'm even safe to be separate, you know. Totally. And there's... Even if when someone comes to that point just completely on their own accord, never being in the gene keys, which of course you could do, like absolutely, they, of course, even even to get to the point of saying that and believing it, so many other breakthroughs and epiphanies will have come first in that person's life. 
I'm sure. Yeah. To get to that point of being like, I am safe right in this. There would have been so much deconstruction of um, worldviews and so much unlearning and so much acceptance and loving yourself in your shadows in whichever way we've done it. Yeah. That is yeah. always the journey to coming to these points of like, oh, I'm safe to be just right here. And then love explodes like a freaking firework and sc- scatters its fairy dust on everyone around you. Like <laughs> it's like Ugh. the inevitable place you get to when you take a journey of self-love. It's inevitable. Whether you do the gene keys or the dream arc or you just sit with pen and paper in a journal like what I did, you inevitably come to this place where you go, oh, I'm safe to love myself. <laughs> Everything is just love, you know? It's beautiful. Mm. So, Megan, I would love to know what do you want other people to know about taking the journey home to self-love? What's some of those things that you're just like, mm, I wish people knew this? Um, well, you again, and you and Lizzie came up with a lot of great stuff last week. So um, I guess what I would add to all of that is just like there was a slow campaign that that run ran off our self-worth. Okay, this there was this slow campaign as I was growing up to erode my self-worth, right? Mm-hmm. Growing back my self-worth has also been a long road. Yeah. And so patience, just, just patience. And I would suggest trying to do, not trying to do, but committing to, committing to it and really doing something maybe even daily to, you know, even if, you know, a gratitude practice is how I started, as I already told you. So Mm -hmm. in a gratitude practice, is a form of self-love because what you were doing is you were saying, this is what I really, really was grateful for today. I had a close encounter with a raccoon. I saw this beautiful raccoon in my, uh, my art hutch, and we looked at each other in our eyes for all of five seconds. And it was fantastic. You know what you're doing when you do that? You are telling the universe you want more of that. You want more of that because your mind is, will magnetize those things that you're thinking, those things that you're feeling. It will magnetize them back. If you are thinking self-destructive thoughts, you're going to magnetize more self-destructive thoughts. So what you want to do, you really want to put out those thoughts of, this is what I really liked about today. This mm-hmm. is what I really liked about. And then you can turn it to yourself. This is what I really liked about myself today. You know? you can get specific that way. Um, Mm. Yeah. You just have to remind yourself too. It it is a, because forgetting is so human. Yeah. I can't put enough emphasis on just reminding yourself every day that you're worth Mm. paying attention to, you know? Mm. Totally. 
And I love how you say like the eroding away of our worth and losing our home. You know, we, we can never not be home even if we try to, but the illusion that we strayed from home, it happened over such a long period of time. And depending on the age someone finds themselves at where they notice that they want to create more self-love. For me, it was 25 years into that journey. And so it's probably going to be a 25-year journey to peel back what 25 years did, right? I'm 34 this year, so you know, I've got another 16 years to go until I'm 50 and I I may have peeled back 25 years worth of stuff. And yeah. that's okay. We think, you know, Megan, you're 67. Yep. It's like, <laughs> it's okay. You're never too far gone to be like, well, there's no point. Of course there bloody is because you know what, even though – I'm going to probably be peeling back for years and years and years. The day I started peeling it back was the day I started experiencing the love from it. It's not like yes. you have, it's not like self-love is a destination. It's no. just the journey. As long as you're on the journey of self-love, you are experiencing that love. As long as you're on the journey of remembering your worth and remembering your home, you are experiencing that home every step of the way because you're actually there, you're present with it. It's already there. You're just on this, this journey of remembering. So yeah, it's not like, okay, now oh, I hated myself for 40 years. I'm not going to be able to love myself for another 40. No, you get to start revealing no. that love today, but then be patient with yourself as you continue to yeah. peel it back. I love that, that it's not a destination because mm -hmm. as you and I have both learned, we, we love ourselves and then we peel back some big thing and we realize, my God, we can even love ourselves more. Yes. There's like, there's like freaking no end to it. No end. You, you can't even imagine what you're going to be like oh. as you peel back more and more and more. Right. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't even begin to comprehend what pure love even is. Like yeah. the, the more it starts to enter into me, sometimes I have this experience of like, whoa, how, how could any more possibly fit here? And then the next day more comes and I'm like, holy shit, you know, and yeah. then I'll have this moment of complete darkness where I've just like, Ugh. I feel like I might just seep away into the void. And then I remember about love and then I love myself there and I'm like, holy shit, this is, this, this is love. You know, how many times I've had that experience of like, oh my God, this is love. You know, like when you've had like a high school boyfriend and you thought that you were in love and you had yes. your first love and you thought that, oh my God, I'm so in love. And then you actually meet the love of your life and you go, oh my God, I never knew what love was. Absolutely. I have, I have that experience with myself yeah. all of the time where I think that I've understood what love is. And then I'm like, oh my God, I never even knew. And like, oh my God, I never even knew. Because yeah. there's always deeper levels of love. But the thing is, is the thing that will reveal those deeper levels of love to you is the challenges, is the suffering, is the darkness. And so it's that massively paradoxical experience of love because love is the spectrum because our experience yes. here is the polarity. And so to find love here is to find it amongst the polarity. 
amongst that like whoa there's the dark and the light but it's all love yes that's our experience here Hmm. and you know that leads somewhat into my next question which you know you were talking about all the flavors all the flavors of love Mm. because in truth the 64 cities are all the flavors of love right yes yeah so in all of your experience working with your clients without getting specific with names what blocks to self-love have you found and then how have you led your clients to overcome them oh <laughs> that's like everything i've ever done in the i last know year. i know it's a huge question <laughs> okay. maybe just maybe just something that we haven't talked about yet today you know yeah. okay the blocks, the blocks, the blocks. Yeah. I think, I think that one of the biggest blocks to women's accessing of their self-love is who they've been told that they are in their upbringing. Mm. Yes. That is one of the biggest blocks. It's the block of the identity the block of like who I've grasped onto believing that I am. Language is the block. Mm-hmm. Language. And we've been, we really peeled this back in that first month of Destined because one of the women yes. in Destined had uh, Janky 62 as her life's work and it's all about language and we peeled it back all together and like everyone in the group was like, oh my God, like this is so true. We only we create this reality around who we are purely based on the language that we have available to us you can only you can only like to a point up until a point of deeper self-discovery you only think you know who you are based on the constraints of language that you have access to putting a name to who you are and so what I find with a lot of my clients who they think they are is simply a manifestation of the language that they were surrounded with in their first 21 years of life. And, and that's created a box of, okay, this language, that's where I fit, you know, and a lot of that language that we hear is not good enough, is wrong, bad, or, oh, I wish you weren't like that. Or, you know, even little things like as children, we always hear like, oh, you're, you always break everything. I can't trust you with anything. This is language we take on board and it's all we know. And so it's all that we can say that we are. And so a big part of what I do to help women to break free from these things is to help them navigate new language. And really, mm. that's why I have chosen the gene keys as the modality through which I help to bring women home to themselves because it provides the language that's needed for the journey. It gives you these new meanings of words. It gives you these new, like when you look at your profile, those gifts and those cities, that is the new language of like, that's who I really am. 
Yes. And so when I start applying that language to myself, how does my ideas around who I am shift? It's like, what? Mm. Hang on a second. No, I'm a woman of inspiration. I'm a woman of authority. I'm, I'm a woman of unity and freshness. And these are words that we didn't attach to who we were in the past. And that was, right. that, that was all our heart and our DNA and who we truly were at our core always had that all along. We just couldn't access it because we didn't have the language to manifest it into being. So it remained dormant. These parts of ourselves mm. have remained dormant because we couldn't speak them into being. This is how we manifest through frequency. And so, yeah, it's a shift of the language. And that's even what I do in the way that I coach one-to-one -one through Voxer. Yes. This is why I love it because it's language. It's like, we're having a conversation about you. And so as one of the women speak to me and you, you've had this experience, Megan, you talk to me in Voxer every single day, you share with me what's going on. And I mirror it back to you with the language of who you truly are. And you go, oh my God, yes, that's true. That's, that's yes. me. And we start to speak a new language. We start to speak the language of, of your higher purpose, the language of your true being, the language of worthiness, the language of love, instead of just the language that we thought told us who we were, but it was just a result of our environment. It doesn't actually mean anything. They were just words. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it all, a lot of it comes down. A lot of it comes down to, to that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I didn't know exactly how to word that question to bring out that exact, that's a beautiful answer mm. uh, because that's, that's so broad, you know, um, and really does encompass so much of our, you know, I talked about the language I had as a child. No, mm. no, no, don't do that. You know, and then I didn't have a lot of the language of you, you are a wonderful, beautiful human being who has so much inner strength and, and mm. such resolve. And mm. let's see if we can, you know, I didn't have those words. I do yeah. now, but yeah. that's what I was like, you know. Yeah. And that's why we yeah. get stuck. I think a lot of people get stuck on their journey of cultivating more self-love and cultivating more worth because they just get stuck with the language. They get stuck with a point of like, I don't know how to bring this into the form because we can feel stuff in here and we can struggle to put the language to what it is we're feeling. And so then it's hard to bring it out into the world. Even like with our, our emotions that bring us down, it can be hard to name those as well. But like, I know yes. I'm feeling like crap and I know that I feel like I'm like there, but I don't know what it is. And when we don't know what it is, it can remain trapped in us because we're not bringing it out through the frequency through our throat chakra. So even to be able to name, oh my God, it's dullness. Oh my God, it's dishonor. It's control. Yep. We can name it with that shadow, which then gives us, opens up a pathway to actually do something with it because we're not mm. raised with the language of healing. We're raised with the language of oppression. Right. Yeah. And this is why journaling, I love journaling so much because it's all about language. It's yes. all about like, oh, paving a new way with our words and discovering deeper meaning. But that's, you know, the gene keys 
I believe the Gene Keys is a vital, vital element of being able to take this journey purely because of the language it gives you. You know, to be able to understand the language of this book, I'm, I'm literally holding it up right now. No one can see me holding it. Um, <laughs> to learn the language of this book, if you were going to do it without the Gene Keys, you would have to read so much ancient literature. Um, you would have to read so much um, like physics and metaphysics and you'd have to understand these broad spectrums of all of these different ways of bringing systems and yeah oh that you just you wouldn't have time to do it in this lifetime you get to come to one book that houses the language of love the language of transformation evolution and breakthrough all in one place it is the biggest gift and all the archetypes of humanity in it's all one in place. There. It's all in there. And it would, it would take a person at least 10 years, at least 10 years to really unpack all of the language that is in the Gene Keys. Yes. Um, yeah. But just by entering in on that journey, yeah, it's, it's the language. It just allows you to pave new pathways. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was a beautiful answer. Mm. The language of love. <clears throat> so delicious. Oh, thank you so much for joining me for this beautiful conversation, Megan. Like we really, we came in at a different angle of love. Mm-hmm. And we could show up and have this same conversation every week for the next 10 years and have something different to talk about because it's everything. Uh, yes. And it's it's my hope that the listeners had something out of our conversation today that sparked in them a thought of, oh, maybe mm-hmm. I could ponder loving myself in that way. Contemplation is the gateway to all of this. It's not about forcing yourself to love yourself, but just simply to pause and ask the answer, what might it look like if I loved myself a little more right now mm-hmm. and that question will never lead you astray it might take you into some deep dark caverns it might be a bit scary from the outside but that will never lead you astray <laughs> no and don't forget we have hope and trust mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like um from the bible one of the one of the um stories, parables, visuals that has really carried me is this idea about the light upon your feet. And so I would always see myself walking this dark pathway where you can't see what the next step is. But they used to, when they were walking at nighttime, back in biblical times, they would connect these little um these things to their ankles that would hold like a glass thing and a little light would sit inside. So as they walked, it would light up where their foot was going. And so it's like the light upon your feet. And so I can just visualize myself walking through the forest with these little like tea light cups connected around my ankles. (laughs) And as I take that step, it just lights up the ground to where I'm stepping and that's all you really need to know. You just need to know that where you're putting your foot is okay. 
Mm-hmm. And then where you put it in the next foot, it's okay. And as that light comes, it will show, oh, no, not there. And you put it a little bit to the side. We think that we need to be able to see the whole path. We think that the whole path needs to be lit up to know that we're safe to walk it. But you don't. You just need the light upon your feet. And you always have the light upon your feet when you just ask the question, what would love look like right now? That's the light upon your foot. And just take Mm. that step and then you're fine. You're okay. You're safe and you can trust Mm. that you are walking your destined path as long as that's the question that you're asking along the way. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Megan. I always love talking to you. What a great way to start my day. And when I get off (laughs) of Zoom, I'm going to be going to do my voxering and I know, I think, (laughs) I saw that you voxed. I don't voxer on the weekends. Let me see. How many unread voxes do I have from Megan? Um, 14. I've got 14 voice memos to listen from Megan when I get off here. Oh. And I get to, get to hear all of her juicy language, mirror it back to her, and we're just going to continue our voyage of evolution and transformation. Man, I can't wait. So I'll talk to mm. you in a second, Megan, but I'll talk to all okay. of the listeners next week. <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is such an honor to bring my heart directly to your ears. The TJH podcast is in her early days. So if you could take a quick moment to leave a rating on Spotify or write a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be extremely grateful. And if you enjoyed the episode, I encourage you to share it with a friend to help spread the Journey Home message far and wide across the globe. I deeply appreciate you and I will chat to you again very soon.